for the 2023 Breeders' Cup Seminar, presented by the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. Welcome to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast Annual Breeders' Cup Seminar. Of course, this is part two. Part one is already available. If you're listening now, you can uh, tune in and listen to, to me and, and Brandon Jaggers discuss uh, the, the, the future stars Friday, all the two-year-olds, uh, top two-year-olds in the country and, and even around the world as they face off at uh, beautiful Santa Anita Park in Arcadia, California. Uh, I'm C.C. Broadus, and uh, we welcome you to... Uh, to enjoy for the next uh, little bit uh, our selections for this year's Breeders' Cup. I'm joined, of course, by Alan Schneider. Alan, how are you? Oh, I'm good after my one-day sabbatical from you guys. I'm sure you guys uh, held things down nicely. I appreciate it. And uh, unfortunately for everybody, I'm back. Sorry. We're glad you're here. I, that's, that's, or at least I am, one person at least. Uh, <laughs> oh, I am too. Other. Another person we're, we're, we're happy to see, of course, is Jeff Riggs, the, the, the king of graphics uh, in the greater Louisville area. How are you, how are you Jeff? <laughs> Appreciate that, CC. It's great to be back. Uh, sorry I missed last night, but I enjoyed listening to you guys break down Friday for us and uh, excited to get into Saturday Breeders' Cup here today. Well, speaking of uh, uh, just a uh, just uh, a fantastic candy capper, one of the best of all time, probably, when, you know, maybe the uh, – the the guy that just crushes pick fours on on a regular, and that's Brandon Jaggers, and he just looked like he chimed in. Brandon, how you doing? Oh, great, uh, fantastic after the Halloween night, and uh, but the baby wanted to be a little difficult tonight, so I, I had to bring her into the the studio. So just she'll fall asleep at some point. Just let her crawl around some more. 
<laughs> of course, we saved the best for last. And uh, our guest this evening is, uh, we, we, I, I would refer to her as an esteemed guest because we, we always look forward to what she has to say, her opinions, her analysis, her her recommendations. Uh, this is, of course, uh, J.J. Hysel. She's a, a friend of the program, and we're, we're very grateful that she's uh, joined us again. Hi, J.J., how are you? Hi guys, I'm doing fine. I'm I'm so glad to be back to our uh, annual tradition. Well, we we absolutely appreciate your opinions. You're always right on target, and uh, yeah, looking forward to digging into this. Uh, JJ, before we get started on Saturday's card, we didn't have you on uh, last night's uh, part one or the the Future Stars Friday preview. Do you, do you have anything that stands out in those five uh, juvenile races on Friday? Yeah, the one thing I just wanted to point out for for people preparing for Friday is watch out for Todd Pletcher's horses. Uh, all of his juvenile horses who have shipped into Sanita have looked fantastic, particularly as dirt horses. Um, I would watch out for Locked in the Juvenile. He's sending Noted and Fierceness also, who have looked tremendous in their works. In the Phillies, uh, Don't Sleep on Scalable, who had a great prep race over that surface, over the track, uh, she ran second because she was down inside. Uh, she's drawn inside, but I think she'll get a better trip. I think watch out for Scalable. And also in, in the turf races, watch out for his Agate Road, who is being overlooked because we all uh, pile on the Euros in those juvenile turf races, and appropriately so. But Agate Road uh, matches up with the Euros. He's just as good. He has a phenomenal closing kick. And uh, he's just as good as these European horses that are shipping in. So I, I just wanted to make that point for for those who are looking at Friday's card. I'm glad she, but before I, I'm glad she mentioned Agat Road because that's who I really like on Friday too. So anytime she validates my uh, lesser opinion, I feel good about myself. So thank you, JJ, for that that shot of confidence. Uh, before we turn the page, Jeff, do you have anything you want to add? No, I think JJ did a great job outlining it. I think uh, you guys did a good job um, yesterday as well, and um, I, I didn't. I didn't have any major long shots or anything Friday, so I'm just going to let that one marinate. Okay, so uh, if you if you're tuning in, uh, you're at home. Uh, don't do this while you're driving, but to grab a piece of paper <laughs> and a pen and start taking notes because we're going to be firing horses left and right, and uh, so. Uh, one more thing before we start on Saturday. Now we've affixed Brandon with a collar, like a dog collar. And if, <laughs> if Brandon mentions more than two horses in any race, I have a nah. button here. I can shock him. <laughs> this is new technology and we're going to try to, We're going to try this tonight and uh, hopefully we can rein Brandon in because you we know, want to thank Elon Musk for the technology. Thanks Elon. <laughs> what money well spent. All right. Let's start off. This is race three. It's the big ass fans, Breeders' Cup, Dirt Mile. Let's talk about big ass fans real quick. That's what they've got installed at Churchill. And those things come in handy on a summer day. We've been, I've been talking about this for years. I want Ellis Park to install big ass fans in that grandstand when it's 150 degrees in July and August. So whoever's listening to this, let's get the word out. Big ass fans to Ellis Park. Okay. I, so, I can throw a codicil to that real quick. I go to Kentucky football games, and what's bad about is when you when you're sitting next to some big ass fans from the other team, and you only got so much space, right? And then people are drinking right and left or whatever. Because I had that issue the other day. So, big ass fans can be both a positive and a negative. That's a what you call a double entendre. 
Yes, exactly. But uh, I, right. we we were by some horrific fans the other day, but they were Kentucky fans. I will tell you that. But no fights happened, but they were getting ready to happen. So just drunk off their asses. But I digress. Okay. Uh, dirt Mile, uh, the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile is, is a two-turn, one-mile race, million-dollar purse. Uh, field is uh, down to seven, so it's not a very good betting race. Uh, unfortunately, number two practical move. That horse had a heart attack and passed away. So condolences to their connections. That happened on y- uh, yesterday. And then also number seven, Algiers, has been scratched from the race. I thought that horse actually might have figured in here. So we're left with a field of seven, and the heavy favorite is going to be Cody's Wish, uh, a horse that uh, everybody knows about, winner of 10 of 15 lifetime for Godolphin. The great story uh, behind this horse, uh, he'll be a heavy favorite in here. Uh, but uh, we'll throw it to J.J. right off the bat and, and, and get some uh, opinions on the dirt mile. Yes, and everybody wants to try to beat Cody's wish because he's going to be such a, a low price. Uh, as much as I hate to say it, uh, from what I've seen and from what my sources have told me, that this horse looks phenomenal since he's come into Santa Anita. Every morning he's tugging at his rider. Uh, he's, he's just been so full of energy. He's really flourishing. You know, he's cutting it back to a distance where he's seven of seven. And, you know, I think we could all throw out the, the, the race where they stretched him out, the Whitney where they stretched him out. That wasn't his his distance. That wasn't his thing. He's coming back to to what he does best. So I I do think he's going to be tough to beat. I hate to say it. it it's it's a tough tough task. Zozos is the horse that everyone is looking at because he's going to be out front. We all know that's the game plan. He will be out front. He drew next to Cody's wish, which is very interesting for Cody because he can sit maybe right off that pace, maybe in second or third, and and get a good trip. Uh, uh, Zozos is three for three at this distance. He could carry his speed, uh, but that's possible. I'm not banking on it though. I, I don't have Zozos in the win spot because I just don't think he's going to carry against Cody's wish. And I think there's one other horse in this race who has a chance at the win spot. And I think that's National Treasure. National Treasure has been training so lights out that they surprisingly entered him in this race. They had no plans to put him in this race until he started training so well. And he's had, you know, he's thrown a few few clunkers since the Preakness, that's true, and everyone wonders, can he rate off of a pace in this scenario? I love the outside post for him. I think this is going to be great for him. I think he's going to be in a spot where he can track. And and being being at Santa Anita is going to be a help for him as well. So I have Cody's wish. I think he's going to be tough to beat. But I think watch out for National Treasure as a possible upset. I'll throw this out there. I, I, I don't have the, the, the stats in front of me. Bill Mott in the Breeders' Cup at Santa Anita and Del Mar over the past 10 years or so, the, the, the Breeders' Cups has been held there. I, I'm not sure he's done. He's not uh, really fired like he had, like he does on the East Coast. It, this is something that bears watching. If Cody's Wish wins right off the bat, uh, we might be looking at uh, Belmont having a, a really great day because he's he's got quite a few contenders. So it, it, this is uh, definitely uh, this is a horse to watch, just, not just for the race itself, but just for maybe how how things go for for Mott on the day. So it will, I'm sure we'll be bringing his name up a, a handful of times going forward. So, uh, Alan, I know you I know you like a horse in the Dirt Mile as well. Would you care to chime in? 
Unmute your mic. Sorry about that. It's, I'm used to Teams calls at work. I do the same thing. I'll, I'll defer to Jeff on this because he probably likes horses a little bit more than I do. And, uh, you know, seven horse fields, not as interesting, but I'll let Jeff take because I think we're both considering the same price horse who probably meant to a price horse. Go ahead, Jeff. I do. So I, I agree with everything that JJ said, especially about Cody's wish. I've, I've heard the same things coming out of California that he just, he could not be looking any better on the track, which, which does scare me a little bit as someone who is opposing him in this spot. But as we said before, he's going to be a very short price and I'm just going to try and look for an alternative here. And that alternative for me is on the rail and stage raider. This horse is just really flourished under the care of Cherie DeVoe. Uh, both of the races with her, he's ran great, but he hasn't had perfect trips. You know, I think he probably ran best in the ACAC behind behind Zozos. Zozos kind of had everything his own way. Stage Raider had to come from off the pace and, and ran on very well, galloped out great. And then um, even his, his win at Ellis Park before that, I mean, he looked great there, but he didn't have a perfect trip there either. He had some trouble in the stretch a couple different times. He had to stop a little bit, wait for wait for a gap to go. And um, I just think he's got more to offer than what is on the page, right, that you readily see. And I do think there's quite a bit of speed in here. So we know Zozo's going to go the lead and also has been reportedly working fantastically. I did watch his last work that looked great. And then I also uh, talked to a friend of the podcast, Joe Christoffect, today. And he he told me that it was one of the best books he's ever seen ever, which is a big Yeah. So – I think Zozos is ready to go, and as uh, JJ said, National Treasure is also working very well. So I'm hoping that that turns into those two really feeling good, hooking up early, causing a torrid pace, and then Stage Raider getting the jump on Cody's wish coming from the back. That's the way I see the race shaping up. So I am I am pretty heavily in on Stage Raider at a price in this race. You know, uh, JJ, real quick, a uh, stage writer. Now, that is he related to somebody that we've all heard of by any chance? Yeah, he's yeah. a half to justify. Oh yeah, I've heard of that horse. Yes, if, you know, the, a triple crown winner. Okay, yeah, uh, kind of underperformed until Cherie got him. Cherie started bringing him back, but uh, good analysis, Jeff. Good analysis, JJ. Uh, all right, Brandon. Brandon, uh, any quick thoughts on the uh, the dirt mile? Yeah. We'll make it quick. But why does Dallas Stewart enter Cheryl Cheryl's B here? I, I just think it's crazy. Just thought I'd point that out. Well, I agree with you there. That, yeah, that, I, I remember the last race at Churchill. That horse was beat a country mile. So yeah, it's, it's uh, twenty to one seems a little light it, there. It just seems such an oddball entry, you know. But maybe the miles, the mile, but I mean, you're going against the best. So yeah, the only other horse I thought to, to play against Cody's Wish is Zozos. But I think everybody else has covered this pretty well. I just wanted to point out Cheryl's B. Uh, just really we're going to talk. We're going to talk about Dallas Stewart a little bit later, but uh, nobody likes yeah. charge it, right? No, nobody likes charge it. I, I don't. I, I can't recommend. Yeah. I, I he's, did. He's so unpredictable. Like, yeah. Yeah. Too unpredictable. Okay, turn the page. So we're going to the fourth race, and this is the Maker's Mark Brewers Cup Philly Mare Turf. It's a mile and a quarter. Now, this race changes in distance uh, from year to year just based on the track. This year, it's going to be a mile and a quarter. And they're going to start on this downhill turf course and cross over the the main dirt track and then go to the inside turf course. Oh. And 
Yeah, so uh, the favorite on the morning line is uh, uh, the European number six in spiral, a daughter of Frankel for uh, John Gosden and Frankie DeTore, who's rediscovered the Fountain of Youth. Uh, in what was supposed to be his last year of riding, looks like he's going to prolong that now, but in spiral is one of the top milers in Europe. Uh, she won the Sun Chariot, a grade one at Newmarket, won the Jacques Le Marat at uh, Deauville, and uh, she's uh, she's on top of her game right now. The only question mark now is she's going to stretch out to 10 furlongs. So, uh, J.J., I'll hand it off to you. And, uh, well, let's start off with Inspiral. Uh, what, your thoughts on, on this uh, fine filly, uh, is she able to get 10 furlongs? Yeah, that, I don't. I don't know if it's so much a, a question of distance. You know, I, I don't think she'll have any problem with the distance. I, I'm wondering if she's going to like this course or not. I, I know you mentioned that, and th- this is going to be something that will be very different for for Inspiral, and, and that's the that's the thing that concerns me more. I actually think she, the distance isn't the issue, but I, I am I'm trying to play against her because I have a feeling she's not going to take to this course. And so that's why I would be going against her. From all accounts, though, she's looked really good at Santa Anita. She's very energetic, a uh, very energetic horse. Uh, she's out there bucking and kicking and squealing. Uh, she's always uh, talking. She squeals a lot, as Frankie likes to say. So she, she's a really enigmatic horse. And, and if she wins, nobody's going to be surprised. But I'm, I'm going with, with – she's not going to like the course. Um, there's a lot of directions you can go in this race. I, I'm playing against in Italian in this spot because I – I don't like the idea of her carrying on the front at this distance. Um, I, I think this is a very competitive field, and there's so many mid-pack stalkers and closers. I just think that's a, a really tall task. The two contenders who stood out the most to me were the number two, Warm Heart, and also a long shot in uh, With the Moonlight. Uh, Warm Heart, uh, she's two for three at this distance, and uh, her last race was really outstanding. She stumbled badly at the start and still won. And her last two races have actually been very stellar. She's she knows how to overcome adversity, and uh, she's she's cutting back, you know, in distance, but that's okay. She's that should be no problem with her. I think her running style uh, fits this race r- really well, and and so I like her with the moonlight. I think is also very interesting at at twenty to one um, with Buick and Appleby. I mean, those are great connections, and she she has flashed a lot a lot of talent. So I, I would go with those two. Uh, Didia is one I would look at for exotics uh, because we know Ignacio Correas, he doesn't bring a horse to the Breeders' Cup unless he thinks she has a chance. And in her, her one bad race, she had uh, some gait issues. Uh, the rest of her races have all been outstanding. So I'm, I'm including Didia and all my uh, exotics for this race. Okay. Anybody want to step up and offer their insight in the Philly Mare turf? Yeah, that is like – I'd second Diddy as well because horse has got experience over Santa Anita turf, won a nice race there. And uh, just like what JJ said, uh, the trainer knows what he's doing. I, I like the spot a lot. The horse has got age, you know, it's a good mare. I, I, I think you, you got to have that for that type of distance to settle and then to hopefully have that closing kick and be in a right spot. Is the ninth spot great? I don't, you know, hopefully it just depends on the break, but then, uh, convince him to it. You know, I'm not really a big fan of him, but I like the horse. I think this is the, one of the better races on the card. I don't have a strong opinion. There are about five or six I like. I, I'm with JJ. I kind of lean to warm heart a little bit, uh, but I'm, I'm just anxious to watch the race. Um, I, if Moyer wins, I'm not going to play Moyer. If she does, I'll be up 
Shit's Creek. If anybody watches that show for a lame ass pun, <laughs> um, I will say, and JJ did mention with the Moonlight, who I initially and, and didn't really care for this box. She's been kind of a, a little disappointing in the country this year. But then again, if, Char, if Charlie Appleby wins the race and pays forty four dollars afterwards, everybody be kicking themselves, right? <laughs> right. The sheets people like uh, with the Moonlight. I know uh, the Thoroughgraph people like that Philly a whole lot. Uh, the, the 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 effort behind Fevrover. And the EP Taylor last time, uh, I think she was wide and, and still managed yeah. to get second. Uh, one more, uh, thing. This, this might be the first grade one race in this country ever where none of the contenders were bred here. They're all bred in other countries. That's yeah. a good catch. Did you figure that out? Did you read that somewhere? Cause that I came from Twitter or X. Okay. That's, that's I, I'm not going to do any research on my own. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, anybody else? Just chime in. Nope. Going once, going twice. Okay. So we're going to turn the page. We're going to PNC Bank, Breeders' Cup, Philly, and Mare Sprint, $1 million, seven furlongs, and a heavy favorite. And I think this is a good opportunity to play against a a, a heavy favorite on the rail. Good night, Olive, six to five for Chad Brown, Irad Ortiz, of course, uh, she won this race last year at Keeneland, and uh, she's been hit or miss, uh, very consistent, never been off the board in four starts, and she comes into this race off a, uh, uh, based on uh, DRF uh, buyer figures, uh, career best. So, uh, uh, JJ, good night all is six to five, but uh, I think, uh, just my opinion, she's vulnerable. I, that, that's funny you mention that because I, I have her name down here on on the uh, the post positions and I wrote down vulnerable. <laughs> that, that's the exact word that I same word that I use. I, I actually believe she's probably one of the most vulnerable favorites on the whole card. Okay. Uh, she's she's one from the rail. You know, I have no problems with the post. And obviously she's very talented. She's one of the most talented horses in the field. But she's coming in with the same pattern as as last year timetable wise. But. Is she the same horse coming in last year? And I don't think so. I think she's regressed. I think it's it's obvious if you watch her replays, if you look at her races, you look at her past performances, this is a horse who has regressed. And and if she's going to be that low of a price, I, I'm not going to play a horse that I think has regressed in such a competitive field. Mm-hmm. So I I really like Ida in this race. Uh, I hope I hope I pronounce her name right, Ida. As, as some people have called her Ada, but I call her Ida. Um, Ida, I think, is coming in uh, really sharp. I really like this this move that that Baffert is doing with her, with the addition of blinkers here. Um, she can rate and she can stalk. In her most recent loss, she was just too far back. She was farther back than she'd ever been, and positioning is everything for her. She can't be too far back, but she doesn't have to be on the lead. And uh, she's in a good spot in that in that post in the three. Uh, society is a danger, uh, obviously a big threat. But to me, when you compare her with Ida, society is a need-to-lead horse. I think she's a need-to-lead horse. And she's fast, but she can be caught. So I, if society wins, that would not surprise me. She would be one that I would be hesitant to leave off of if you're playing pick fours or pick fives. I would be, I'd be a little worried about leaving her off, but I would definitely play Ida. And I would take a look at Ugiri. Um, she's in that outside post, which is a little worrisome, but Ugiri is a talented sprinter. 
and she has she has shown a lot of late. So Yugiri is one I would look at, but I I would play against Goodnight Olive. Uh, let me ask JJ a question real quick. Society is five to two. Goodnight Olive six to five. I tend to believe that the 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 off odds may be a little bit closer than that. Maybe nine to five, seven to five. Maybe two to one, three to two. Uh, do you feel? Do you think six to five, five to two holds up with these two horses, JJ? Yes, I I think Goodnight Olive is still going to take a huge backing. Okay. I, I I still think she's going to take a lot of money. I think that people are still going to bet her. And society does have a couple of knocks that people are going to look at and probably be a little hesitant on. So I I do think that it, it will be around these. I think this is actually a very good morning line. Some of the other morning lines you look at and think whoa, but this this one I think actually is probably going to represent what the public is going to be looking at. And that's good because I think Eda's going to be an overlay. And I think that's a, you made a good selection there. And, I'm, and as you're talking, I'm thinking about the pace of the race. And something interesting just came to mind. The way I foresee the race coming is kind of the way you mentioned it. It's like society goes to the front, and then Eda lets her go and then pulls out and stalks in second, right? Then behind that, you know what you might have is a replay of uh, Derby Day at Churchill where you have Goodnight Olive on the rail and Matareya right to her outside where uh, I think it was, yeah, was it Flavian Pratt kept him locked in, or was it Tyler kept him locked in that day? Tyler kept Irad locked in on the rail, and Matarea took it. Oh, in. yeah. I can yeah. see something like that happen again. In that case, Irad might have a connection and stuff, and uh, they try to bury him on the rail again and stuff. But uh, I like your analysis, so uh, that's why I, I think it's a fun race. Society is interesting because uh, those uh, her last two wins – you could argue or speed biased uh, that, that that race she won. She ran a hole in the win at Ellis. I think set the track record. That was at a time when that uh, there was a just a total speed bias there. I mean, nothing could close for a few weeks there. And then uh, of course Charlestown is the same way. She won that two hundred fifty thousand dollars stake at Charlestown, and that's a notoriously speed favoring track too. Gosh, I mean you know that's another thing you just keep an eye on the, how the uh, how the track is is. Uh, Favoring speed. If it's favoring right. speed, then she's probably going to go a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think if society's able to get the lead, that horse is going to be really deadly. I mean, I, I don't think the horse will look back. I, 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 you know, but she's got to break. You know, and they got to she's got to clear a little bit. But I thought Ida was another great play. You know, Baffert won the race I think in 2020 with Camine, and then I, I thought my other my other choice is Matarea, but I keep going back and forth on those on those three. I do think we're going to play against the favorite big time here. And good night, Olive. I wasn't overly impressed uh, her last out, but it was an off track, and I, I don't know. It, but I'm going to go three deep here in this section. Probably leave her out, but I think Cox is going to. He's coming to play, man. And I got a I got a really good feeling about Matarea, and I and I keep seeing social media comment on society how good she looks. So. Uh, you know, if those two are, are going at it, I'll, I'll be happy coming in the stretch. Before we go on, uh, the, uh, the third race, the dirt mile starts to pick three. It also starts to pick five. But for me, this is how I'm going to play. I'm going to I'm going to fade Cody's wish in the dirt mile. I'm going to use Stage Raider and Zozos and maybe a horse like Skippy Longstocking. Then I'm going to use about five or six. In the uh, the Philly Mare Turf, and then we'll single society. 
So I'm going to play like three by five or six. Let's just say six. Three by six by one. That's $18 for every buck. And I think you beat Cody's wish, you got a shot at a nice payoff. So that's yep. how I'm going to play the first three races on the, on the Breeders' Cup card. Uh, let's go to race number six. And this is Breeders' Cup Mile, sponsored by FanDuel. And, of course, it's one mile on the turf course. And this is a very, very, very competitive race. I'm rolling down through here trying to find the mooring line favorite. And we come down to the Japanese mare, Songline. And we've not talked about the Japanese yet, but they had a very good, uh, had a very good Breeders' Cup two years ago at Del Mar. They won two races. And this mare is really good. She's, she won the Yasuda Kanin back in June. And prior to that, she won the Victoria Mile. Both at Tokyo Race Course. Uh, she's, yeah, she's seven for 16 lifetimes. She's won over six million dollars in American money. Uh, she, very fun race. She's just one of a slew of contenders in here. And, uh, JJ, once again, we'll throw it to you. What's, uh, what's your impressions of the mile? Yeah, th- this is the race where I, I went really out on a limb with, with one of my picks here because there's a local long shot that I really like in this race that there's a lot of backstretch buzz about as well. Um, the, the best horses in this race, though, in my view, took a hit at the draw. Master of the Seas is probably the best horse in this yeah. race, actually. Yeah. But he, it, when he drew the 14, I mean, that, that's, that's terrible in, in this particular race. That's horrible. The more than looks, the 13 is also a, was a very good horse to follow, but from the 13, that's, that's just too, it's too far at too far out to make up ground. So I, you know, Master of the Seas also had, I wanted to mention, uh, the trainer was very upset because he was out galloping and some company came up on him and it ended up being a work type scenario. And I believe this was either on Sunday or Monday at Santa Anita and, um, it was not what they wanted at all. And it, it, I, I think it really kind of messed up their plans a bit. So that, that also something to take into account with Master, Master of the Seas. So I, I, I drew a line through those two. Um, it, I, I'm going to take a stand against Songline, even though I do think she obviously is a top contender. I, I just, I just prefer in this race, I prefer a little more consistency. Um, I, I think the race is between Modge. Who uh, won at Keeneland? Uh, I know everybody probably saw her race. She's a very small filly. She's very small, uh, petite built filly. But this is a spe- a speedball. She can she can really run, and they have set her up perfectly for this race. They they specifically picked this distance for her, which is which is a better distance for her than the race at Keeneland. I think it's between Modge and the the long shot that I like is Astronomer. Watch out for Astronomer. Astronomer scratched from the lure where he was supposed to be a heavy favorite. And they decided to go in this race once they found out that he had a good chance of getting in with the defections. I I think Astronomer looms in this race. Uh, He's got Ryan Moore back aboard. And Mm. Ryan Moore rode him in 2021 in an undercard race and rode him to perfection. This is a great pairing for this race, and so watch out for this for this long. She's twenty to one. No, no, I can't top that. I can't. Top, I think it's a great race, a lot of a fun race. I'm glad she mentioned Modge because I think a lot of the attention is going to go to Songline, and uh, but the, the Modge being a three year old and didn't look extremely impressive at Keeneland, but she uh, he was she was going a mile and eight, which was a, which was a stretch for her, but she still won fairly comfortably. 
uh, Marge backs up to a mile, which is, is what she is. That's what she wants to do. So I'm glad you mentioned Marge and Oyster Murphy. So uh, I, I don't have a pick. I haven't made a pick yet, but I just wanted to uh, notate that uh, I, I was glad she brought up Marge. And, again, more than looks. If you saw more than looks last race at Churchill, this is a huge step up. But the definition of inhaling a field is exactly what more than looks did last time. It was all inspiring for Sharita Vo. So I know the 13th is a rough, rough draw. I'll be keeping it like anything else. You know, price dictates at the end of the day, right? So I'm, I'm interested to see what both Maj and, and more than looks go off. And I have an idea in my head what, what would be acceptable. But, uh, I, again, I, I have to keep saying broken record. This, I think, is one of the more fun races on the card. So. I'm gonna throw one out there for y'all to discuss. What about Gina Romanica? Who? who oh won yeah, definitely. Run down in Italian. That was a monster race by her. And I'm also hurt my feelings because it cost me the pick four. But Remember, I singled that horse. I you singled, singled that horse, and then you you totally ignored my analysis. And it cost you probably a couple thousand dollars. That's that's on you, buddy. I don't. Maybe Ooh. I should mute you right now. Yeah, put me <laughs> back in the booth. <laughs> Yeah, she, she's in good form. She's in very good form this year. I think she's thrown some of the best figs that she's tied with some of these other horses. So I, I'm definitely including Gina. Right? That is a definite bet. Right, Jeff. Price price dictates a lot of stuff, right? Uh, is there anybody that you look at in this spot like that? Or is it something you have a selection or is it price dependent or is it a pass for you? I, I was also looking at Gina Romantica a little bit because of that. And then I know you all have also touched on more than looks already, but I do think we're going to get a price on him just because of that outside 13 hole is tough. But as you alluded to that last race at Churchill was, that was one of the more impressive turf right. stretch I've seen this year. Oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. And this horse may still have more to give. seems to just keep improving and improving and, I know Joel Rosario gets a lot of flack on Twitter and elsewhere, X or whatever we call it these days, but you know, he, he can put in some, some head scratching rides, but he can also put in some incredible rides, especially on the turf course. So if anybody can, can find a way through the traffic from the 13 hole and just uncork a huge rally at a huge price in the Breeders' Cup, I think it's Joel Rosario. So that's the horse I'm on. It's yeah, funny. I, uh, go ahead. I think Annika's going to do that. I hope, you know, sit off the pace, have Tyler. Get a nice position on the rail, break right, and sit six, seven back. And I think you're going to look, I'm going to look for a big close out of that horse, but we'll see who can close faster. I'm going to throw just, one more price horse out, and that's Exalted, the 12. Uh, um, if, he, if he can get out of the gate, he could, uh, you know, find some good position. This horse is four for four at Santa Anita. And I, I know I watched the last race, but prior to the race, they kind of thought this was a prep. They they had Breeders' Cup in in mind all along. So yeah. uh, at twenty twenty, probably higher than twenty to one, maybe closer to thirty one. I think his horse belongs in your exotics. Yeah, I would agree with that. Wide open race though. It's it, that should be interesting. If you can hit that, yeah. it, it's going to pay for your dinner that night. That's for sure. Go back and watch more than looks replay of last race, y'all. It's 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 just fun to watch. It's that go back and watch if you get an opportunity. Good lord. And, and, it, it should be noted on for more than looks. They scratched out of an almost definite win. Yeah. Was it the Bryan Station on Saturday? That He would have been three to five in there. Would have won. Probably, would have won. Probably would have won easy. So they scratched out of that spot to go here. And uh, that, that should speak volumes. So, okay. Race number seven. This is the Breeders' Cup Distaff, sponsored by Longines. 
Is that a watchmaker? Long jeans? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Do you have a long I've, jeans? Watch I've got seven. Down? Yeah. Okay. I've got a Swatch watch. I haven't worn a watch in thirty years. How about that? Do people still wear watches? I guess they huh. do. I know Jason Beam's big into watches. I do know that he. So I know people still do wear them. Time only matters to those in prison. <laughs> oh, Woody Stevens said that. I think. But anyway, uh, so this uh, marks the return of where's she at? Idiomatic five to two on the morning line. Uh, Phillies won four races in a row, including the Spinster, the Personal Ensign, the Delaware Handicap, trained by Brad Cox for Judmont Farms. Florent Giroux will take the mount one more time. She's eight for 11, $1.4 million. Had a long campaign. She's, uh, she's been in training for a while. Uh, uh, looking at her past performances, uh, it goes all the way back to December of 22, and she hadn't missed a beat. And, uh, JJ will throw it to you with, uh, idiomatic is, uh, looms large here, but, uh, she's had it easy on the front end in her last few races. So, I, but it doesn't appear that she'll get, get things her own way this time. What do you do with idiomatic? Yeah, there, there's a significant amount of pace in this race and, and all our, our fast, very accomplished fillies. I mean, there's not what they call cheap speed in this race. These are all very good horses, and yeah, Idiomatic has, has had things her way, and she she hasn't exactly had to have have to push the gears a lot either. This is a huge horse too. But Brad Cox said this is probably the biggest filly he's ever trained. Uh, if, if you've ever been around her, she's just a behemoth. So that that's something also to to consider as well as her size. Uh, you've got Randomized, who's always forwardly placed, and Adair Manor, who she loves this home track. This is her place. She's very intriguing here because she has the speed. Um, the, the concern is that she's mostly faced these California-based horses. Uh, she hasn't really faced competition like this. So that, that's something to be concerned about with her. With all this speed signed on, I'm, I'm looking at maybe a closer or a stalker. I don't know why nobody is talking about Pretty Mischievous. Uh, th- this has been one of the better horses the whole year. She had one race that was off, the last race at Ed Parks, that was a sloppy track. I would call it gooey, actually. And, and she still ran well, even though she obviously detested it. Uh, th- this is a horse who is very live in this race because she's, because she's going to get a great setup. And another horse I like in this race is Wet Paint because I think Wet Paint is going to like this setup. Wet Paint is a classy horse who has had some bad trips. She's pace dependent. And I, I think in this race, it sets up well for her. I think Pratt will have her in a good spot, not too, hopefully not too far back. She can't be too far back off of this pace, but in, in a decent spot, she, she could make a, make an impact. So I'm looking at pretty mischievous and wet paint as the price horses. I'm not playing Clarier in the race because I, I just think she's up and down now as she's aged. She's gotten a little unpredictable and. Being out here at Santa Anita, I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't think she's, she's looked great training in my opinion. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to play against her here. I love that analysis, JJ. You actually, I was kind of uh, iffy on the race. I think you've kind of steered me, you've kind of steered me in a way to look at the race a little bit differently, right? I'm looking, I'm looking for something that, and I, and I like the way you, which at the end of the day, people are always talk about price. I'm also a big believer in pace. I mean, it's pace and price to me, right? The, whichever one is more uh, beneficial 
in, in this particular scenario. And I, and I like your analysis. And I could both see both these horses running extremely well. Wet Paint is a horse like uh, uh, Flavian Pratt's horse for Brad Cox in the Derby. CC so helped me out. Ran third. Uh, Angel Angel of Empire. Empire. They, oh yeah. They, yeah. They remind me a lot of Wet Paint and Angel. Remind me of like two different sexes like the same horse. They both like to sit back, make one big run, one big run on the outside with Flavian Pratt. I, I just find the similarities there. And and if the pace sets up, wet paint could run down. And I think we would agree, JJ, 11 or 12 to one is distinctly possible. So, right. and then pretty mischievous is your Oaks winner. And she is right. That race at parks was, was, I mean, it was horrid as far as the weather. That's when they, they took the race off turf. The, uh, the turf was a bog um, and just, and still kept coming. So, um, I, I like what you uh I like I like your analysis there. And I also had idiomatic CC forgot about idiomatic. Uh, he also won the prestigious Latonia stakes. At, she won the Latonia stakes at Turfway, which is what uh, if Caitlin had you listen to this, Caitlin and I used to talk about this in the in the spring. Like idiomatic's a runner. And it took a while, but uh it, it turns out that that played out. Uh that said, um I'm I'm leaning with JJ here. I, I like I like her analysis, so I'm I'm gonna Look at those two horses. It, it's worth noting that our own Brandon Jaggers is, has won the Latonia Stakes. That's true. Brandon, did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the purses are now like double. You know, but it's all about timing in life, and I can't seem to find it with horses, but maybe I'll find it on Saturday. Jeff, you like anything in here? Just after a good race. I could not agree more with JJ's analysis of this race. So I, I, you know, I am pretty mischievous as my top pick. I like wet paint underneath for all the reasons that she laid out. You know, I don't know that I've ever seen this much pace in a distaff. And, um, you know, that may be a bad sign that we all see the same thing. You know, maybe the, the riders will see that too. And it won't be the hot pace we're seeing, but man, it sure seems like it's going to set up for somebody. And I think pretty mischievous is going to get the jump on wet paint. And I think, um, we're going to get a price too. This reminds me of the race with Charger. Nobody liked Charger in the fairly shortest field. Nobody likes search results here. I'm taking. No. No. I, don't. I mean, you know, she beats you, she beats you, right? But I haven't made a selection yet, but search results at 5-1, I'll pass. But, you know, that probably put her in the winner's circle. So One we thing are. we need to yeah. note, uh, that Godolphin uh, owns two of the fillies that you all like, pretty mischievous and wet paint. Keep Keep an eye on all the Godolphin horses up to this point. You got Cody's Wish with the Moonlight, Maj, I know Monterea. That's four Godolphin fillies, highly, highly touted Godolphin fillies. If they're all firing, I think you want to include those two as well. Pretty mischievous and wet paint. And then there's one big one coming up later that we'll talk about. That Where did they get the money to buy all those horses? Do they are they well off or something? I think he sells spark plugs. <laughs> There's always a market for that. Well, at least for the meeting for now. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're getting close to the end here. The Breeders' Cup turf, again, sponsored by Longines. This is a mile and a half on the turf and uh, another unusual configuration. Uh, on, it starts on this downhill turf course. You'll, you'll get about six furlongs to the finish line down the, down the, uh, Turf course, so uh, down the hill, I should say, and then another lap. And this probably is the best race on the card as far as, uh, as just, uh, star power, as there are uh, several nice horses coming from Europe, and we're probably going to touch on them all. And then we've got one from, uh, the U.S. that's probably one of the better turf horses, maybe the best turf horse since Bricks, Bricks and Mortar. 
and that's up to the mark, the eight horse. Uh, but the favorite is Mustadoff at five to two for John Gosden and Shadwell. Uh, Jim Crowley's going to ride and, uh, uh, JJ, this is, uh, like I said, this, this one's, uh, many places to go in here. Yeah, raise your hand if you're looking more forward to this race than the classic. I mean, oh, definitely. Uh, I got my hand up, yeah. It's full of international intrigue at its finest. And and it, there seems to be – it's fun to watch the, the worldwide racing fans beyond just the U.S. because there seems to be two different camps here. And, and they will fight with each other on social media, and it's fun to watch. There's the August Rodin camp, and there's the Mo – I call him Mo, most it up camp. I call him Mo because his name's a little hard to pronounce. Um, you're either for August or you're for Mo. Um, both are obviously very legitimate contenders. Uh, August Rodin, you know, he threw a couple of clunkers in his young career, but when he's on his game, he's just unbeatable. I, this is like a, one of the horses of a lifetime that you that you rarely see. And Mo has beaten some of the best horses running uh, all over the world. Mo is, is is a class class horse, and he has looked great. He shipped in fine. Um, he, he looks great on the track. There's, there's nothing to detract there. Um, I mean, these two are obviously top contenders, and it, it would be very hard to say that uh, either of these could not win the race. I think they're, they're both possibilities. In, in the two camps, I lean toward August Rodin, um, and I think it's just because I'm probably more familiar with his races and more familiar with him, and I've seen what he can do, and what he can do on his best day is phenomenal. Uh, King of Steel is coming back, uh, quick after his, his big win. Uh, he, he looks great. I mean, he doesn't look tired on the track, but I, I'm not putting him in the win spot because I do think that race was taxing. And I think with the shipping and everything and the, and going up against, you know, horses that have beaten him before, like August Rodin, I, I just don't put him in the win spot, but, uh, I definitely see why they brought him here. He's, he's really handed himself well. He's a huge horse. He's a behemoth. Absolutely huge. We have the U.S. up to the mark is probably the best offering we've had against the European horses in a long time. This horse is extremely talented. He has a, a great closing kick. Um, they, I believe they did pick the right race for him. They were deciding between the mile and this race. I actually think this was the right choice because of that closing kick. And I do think that it's worth a try to go up against these horses because, like I said, August Rodin has had some bad days. You never know. He might not mm-hmm. like this course. Right. And up to the mark is probably going to love this. So, you know, it's it's worth a try to to give a, give it a chance to throw that in there. So I, I think up to the mark, he has, he has a chance. Uh, I, I think Warlike Goddess, uh, she drew that, that outside post, and that concerns me. Her last race was phenomenal, but she's really up against it here, so I don't have her in the win spot. Um, for exotics, I really like Sharyar, uh, the deep impact horse, for, uh, the Japanese bred in the in the rail. I like him underneath um, for the sole reason that this horse has looked phenomenal at Santa Anita, probably one of the best-looking horses in the Breeders' Cup as far as training and from looks. So I would have to include him in all my exotic picks. But my top pick, I would have to go with with August Rodin. Hey, J.J., real quick on Shariar. If you look at the past performances, that horse finished, uh, I think, maybe yeah, 11th of 15 in the Sapporo Kinen at Sapporo Racecourse. Uh, I've read somewhere on X, I know you're not supposed to believe everything you read on the Internet, but – Source had a throat procedure 
mm-hmm. since this race. And if if the procedure holds, this horse is really live at fifteen to one. If the procedure worked, yeah, this horse is he's live because he this guy's tough. I mean he's he he ran second in the Japan Cup last year, and and he's only had two starts this year. But they if they if that if that problem has been alleviated, that this horse is absolutely uh, a contender in here. So anyway, sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. That, that, that procedure, that is true. Yes, he did have that procedure and they, they talked about how much of a difference it has made. So you're right on point with that. And, and he, like I said, if, if you're a, a person who bets on looks, you're going to be running to the windows on this horse, at least the way he looks right now. Hmm. King of Steel off a two week break. Uh, that, that win, he won the champion stakes at Ascot last time, two weeks ago. I was on soft ground. That was a gutty win, but how much does that take out of a horse that's shipping across the Atlantic? And, and, and then, you know, that it's not just shipping like the Belmont or, or Kentucky, shipping all the way across the country too. The, I don't think, I don't think you could recommend that horse off, off of that giant effort and then a, just a two week break. I, what do you think, JJ? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's, that's the exact reason why I didn't put him in the win spot. Even though he is very talented, that, that ground, from what I've heard, that ground was very, very soft, and it, it, it took a lot for him to win that race. It was a grueling race over that kind of ground. And so, you know, even though he doesn't look tired and he's out training fine, uh, you have to imagine this, this race is going to be really, really a tall task. So, going, you know, this isn't like, a, he's, he's not like he's cutting down in class. Um, you know, going against the lower level horses. So because of that, I don't have him in the win spot for that exact point that you just you just mentioned. A couple more we probably need to mention is uh, number two, Onesto, Irish bred son of Frankel. Uh, this horse, uh, a lot of these horses have had long seasons, but uh, Onesto didn't get started until August. Now this is just his fourth start of the year, and he comes off a third place finish in the Arc. On again testing ground, seems like it's always testing at Longchamp. I think this horse might be. I, I wouldn't say the turf was an afterthought. Excuse me, I said that wrong. The the turf probably is an afterthought because I'm sure they wanted to win the arc. But uh, with being with him being as light the race as he is, I think uh, he he could be uh, ready to run the the race of his life. Or you know, even that arc performance might uh, might make make him competitive here. So I think Onesto is one to include. And then I want to ask uh, everybody about number four, Bolshoi Ballet, who won the Sword Dancer. Uh, he'll be double digits odds. He'll probably get overlooked because, I mean, he's been somewhat of a disappointment. I know it, he won the Belmont Derby a couple of years ago, and then it was a long time between drinks, and then they brought him back in the Sword Dancer, and he won easily. But uh, anybody think that horse fits in here? I yeah, I, I looked at Bolshoi Ballet. I, I looked at uh, Bolshoi Ballet for exotics because uh, with Johnny V and Aiden O'Brien and that price, I, I mean, I, I could see that horse hitting the board if King of Steel, you know, is too tired. I, I could see that horse being in a trifecta or superfecta. I didn't have him in the win spot. That was a weak sword dancer that uh, he can't. He did. He did regain his form in that race, but that was a weak sword dance. It was a six horse race. And I, I know that race pretty well because him winning that actually kind of hurt me on, on a large scale. That said, it was a weak version of the sword dancer. So this is a pretty tough race. Uh, I, I would just say warlike goddess. Uh, do I like her to win in? No, but she has hit the board the last two years at a mile and a half. 
on uh, in mile and a half race on Breeders' Cup. They fill him there turf, and then last year in the turf itself, rounding back in a form, I've done well just wheeling more like goddess uh, underneath in the trifecta behind the Euros in these races, and uh, she is probably as good as the, these these top August Rodan and and Mo probably not, but that's why I'll play the race again this year is wheeling her underneath. Anybody else? I totally yeah, agree I, with. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I like that as well. After CC, you know, I've already had that that horse kind of pitching here, lightly raced, and uh, maybe he's got a big shot for big effort and a decent price. Jeff, definitely, yeah. Well, Warlike Goddess, just first of all, I'm an unapologetic fan. She's one of my favorite horses in training ever. Um, I just love that you know she uncorks that run every time, and in that last race, I mean, she made up over 25 lengths because she was 22 lengths back at first call and then one by four and a half. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I can endorse her on the on the win end as you guys said as well, but but she'll be a price and underneath the. You know the big two, uh, August and Mo. I, hey, up I think, to the mark, up, up to the mark would be tough too. Yeah, and up to the mark, right? So I think I'm probably going to use the Americans underneath the Euros in here, but that makes a lot of sense. Okay, let's move on to the Breeders' Cup Classic, and again sponsored by Longines. They spent a lot of money meant, this year. I believe you meant the Breeders' Cup Optional Claimer, right? Oh, this one. <laughs> <What a slam> <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So we're down to a field of 12 after the one horse, Archangelo, the Travers and Belmont winner, uh, yeah, is scratched and essentially is retired from racing. That's, that's for another podcast, but, uh, looks like we're down to a field of 12 and I'm trying to find the favorite Arabian night, three to one, the 12 horse for Bob Baffert, this horse. Won the Pacific Classic, and prior to that, is third in the Haskell uh, for Bob Baffert. Flavian Pratt is the rider, and uh, I'm not going to say contention runs deep in here. Looks, this race looks kind of top-heavy, but, uh, yeah, you got a Japanese raider. Ushba Tesoro is in here. I mean, it's an interesting race, to say the least, and the, the, there's some pace dynamics we need to look at here, and there's, there's a lot going on. But, uh, JJ, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about this classic, uh, Arabian Knight. On speed figures alone, I don't, I don't think he, he matches up with, with the very, very best in here, but gosh, the horse is apparently just, from all accounts, just been training up a storm. Right. Yeah. His training, I think, plays a huge role into why he was made the favorite. Um, because out, those out in California watching train have just been, you know, ooing and awing over it. And, and he has done very well. But when you look at this race, you're, you're once again, like we talked about earlier, you're looking at a pace situation. And you're looking at Arabian Knight is in the 12 hole. And this is a horse who always has had the lead or has always tried to have the lead. Uh, he's going to have to have an exceptional gate break. And number two, he has a competitor who... His trainer is not admitting any tactics at this point, but we know this horse is going to be very forwardly placed, probably will want the lead, and that's Saudi Crown. So I'm looking at Arabian Night, and I'm thinking the, the chances for this horse of getting that break, getting the lead, and carrying this distance, I'm just not seeing it. I, I agree that he's training fantastic. I agree that he's superbly talented. 
But I, I don't see that happening. And I do think Saudi Crown is going to pressure him. Saudi Crown is going to be very forwardly placed. Saudi Crown is also 12 to 1 on the morning line, which I found very interesting because a horse that I really like was made 10 to 1 on the morning line. And I was very surprised that he was made lower odds than Saudi Crown. That's Bright Future, Bright Future who was in the 11. Mm-hmm. So, um, Todd Pletcher and Johnny V teaming up with Bright Future. Bright Future is a Curlin horse who we all know about Curlin. They take a while to develop. This is a horse who is just starting to come into his own. He has shown in his last races that he is progressing substantially. And he has the running style to compete in this race where you have this pace scenario. There's the possibility that Saudi Crown and Arabian Knight could do the, duel themselves into submission. And then here it comes, possibly Bright Future. The other horse that I find interesting, and those who know me are, are you better sit down because <laughs> I, I don't ever play Japanese dirt horses on dirt, Japanese horses on dirt. But that's the reason why Marsh Lorraine's nose hairs cost me thousands of dollars. I did not play <laughs> Marsh Lorraine. <laughs> and those little nose hairs on that wire cost me thousands of dollars. But Ushba Tesoro matches up in this race. And and if you look at his past performances, I, I would invite anyone to debate me on that. He matches up. Now, is he an outstanding winner? No. But you look at what this horse has accomplished and, and what he did in Dubai. That, that was a, a very good win. He has looked fantastic training. This is not like these, th- you know, these three-year-old derby horses that Japan comes with. This is a legitimate veteran runner on dirt. Now he has some gait issues that they've had to work on, and that has been a concern. He got very antsy in the gait, so they had to put in a special padding into the gait while he was gait schooling, and it has seemed to help. But the reason that that didn't bother me is because this is not a horse who's dependent on a quick gate break. This isn't an Arabian night. He can have a slow break out of the gate and still have a good performance. So I, I think Gushpatsasoro has a chance to win the race. I, I really do believe that. A lot of people like Wida Barrio. Um, Wida Barrio I liked when he was a, a, coming up at, in the Derby Trail. Uh, he's a very talented horse, but I do not like him in the spot. I I don't I I don't like think he's been training that great compared to some of the other horses, and I, I just don't don't like him in this this spot in this race. Um, I I think those are the the ones that I like. I, I like Proxy on the outside. He, I'm glad he's in this race. I'm glad Clapton is in because I the trainer of Clapton, uh, uh, Chad Summers, a great trainer, and uh, I, if Clapton wins, I would be so excited for him. But I I think Bright Future and Ushba Tesoro are two to really look out for. I guess I got, I need to finally make a selection and, uh, I, I'm, I'm with JJ. I'm going to go. This is an average field. I mean, I, I just say average field. These are really good horses, but it's kind of an average classic. I think to say the least there's the possibility that Ushbo Tesoro is the real deal. And if, if she is, if he is, then if you're going to come over and make a splash in American soil, this is the, this is the field to do it against, right? So to me, simply on that, that, that notion alone, I'll, I'll take that horse. Uh, to win the race, and I'll just cold exact this with, uh, you know, I'll take uh, Mr. Japan here, Ushpo, and uh, Zandon. Uh, Zandon is in good form, and we always know that horse likes to run second anyway and stuff. And uh, Detorion, give me a cold exact of Ushpo and Detori, and I'm sorry, Ushpo and uh, 
Zandon, and I'll go from there. I don't want to talk too long. I thought as an outside chance, now you all covered basically all the ones that drew my attention. I think the Japanese is is something to be said, uh, but I'm going all the way outside to proxy uh, as an A horse. I, I think the horse has got some back class, could be up on the uh, – I, I like a layoff from September. I don't like them running October and running into this. And I think these works at Keeneland were, were good and steady. I think you might have something here at the very end. Because, you know, you get all the way to the very end of the Breeders' Cup, you get to the Classic. It seems like some wild card, something upsets you, and maybe this is this horse. Maybe it's his day. Uh, had some, you know, gate issues in the past, but always well bet in all the, the right, the right races, I thought ran well. Uh, did have some clunkers. Don't get me wrong. Stephen Foster, but, you know, I, I think, I think the horse has got a lot of upside. Not a ton of races under his belt this year. Has been on the board all three to, or all six times, so I think you've got to consider proxy somewhere in your exotics at least. Jeff, you got something for the classic, buddy? Yeah, I, I think Ushba is very interesting, as you you all have said. But the, the gate issues do worry me. I, I know yesterday it was he kind of had major issues, and then today it was kind of less issues than yesterday. But I feel like that was a little. I don't know. It didn't sound great to me. It's enough to worry me at the price that we're likely to get on that one. So I think I'm going to go another direction. The one that I'm really interested in at a price that JJ touched on already is Bright Future. I think a, a yeah, very definitely there definitely has a bright future, best he's ever been, and has that upside. I think it's a little bit of a theme of what we've gone through tonight already is, you know, we're, when we're looking for prices, we're looking for those horses that haven't run their best race yet. And I really think Bright Future might be that horse in here. And um, it made me feel even better when J.J. was talking about how all the Fletcher Dirt horses are just looking yeah, awesome. good point. I mean, uh, gaining uh, gaining points in my mind as we as we speak. I'd say a horse we haven't mentioned yet is Derma Sotagake. Uh, JJ, Uh-oh. have any of your people laid eyes on that horse? Yes and no. No Derma. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Nope. <laughs> that would have been a tall order. That would have been a tall order if this horse went. I say it hasn't run yet, but yeah, that this is a tall order. He kind of lost his mind in the Derby or, you know, in the pre in the pregame leading up to the, the walkover and, and, and the post parade and whatnot. Uh, I always thought that horse had talent, but yeah, this is a tall ask. But, uh, I will give you two horses. I know JJ's against White Abario. This horse has the fastest thoroughgraph figure since Flightline. I think he ran a negative six, and he's got a 110 buyer. That, that all came in the Whitney. And uh, uh, the horse had a great workout. Apparently, the uh, the vets there blocked him from working out. Uh, earlier was it last week i think it was last week and it delayed the workout and and uh, rick detro finally got the work in and, and and he was really happy with it I, I i'd kick myself if the the fastest horse in the race won and i didn't bet him so i got to use white abario and then you all have mentioned proxy i i, I just got to reiterate this is another godolphin horse if godolphin is firing on all cylinders leading into this you got to use proxy you have to use him. So keep an eye on the other races on the card. So, and Proxy is, he's, uh, 
this is kind of the, the pattern they used to come into the Clark last year. He was off for a while. They gave him a break. He come back and he got that grade one win in the Clark last fall. And he's been off uh, now since the Jockey Club Gold Cup in early September. And this is, uh, he, you know, that 13 hole doesn't bother him. He's got a long run to the first turn. And I think, uh, I think the horse might be, might be ready to run his, run his A game here. So, uh, now after they've taken all your money, uh, when they run the classic, you know, I'll be broke by now. <laughs> then, then you turn the page and realize, well, there's two more Breeders' Cup races. So we're going to cover these two. And uh, the 10th race is the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. I have no idea why they're running Breeders' Cup races after Classic. That's almost sacrilegious to me. I'm sure it has something to do with TV or money. That's that's the root of everything. So, uh, But the Turf Sprint is, is a big field, 12 horses. Now, again, they're running this five furlongs on the main turf course when they've got this beautiful, cool six-and-a-half furlong sprint layout. They're not going to use it for this. Uh, so we're gonna, we're gonna go five furlongs on the turf. This is probably is gonna be a mad dash. And, uh, Caravel, last year's winner's in here. Now, Caravel was the winner of this race last year at Keeneland. And, uh, she was what, what is she, 30, 42 to one. But ever, after the race, everybody said they had her. So, <laughs> uh, apparently she should have been two to one. I, maybe everybody bet overseas. But she's, Caravel's back five to one. Uh, JJ, this is a mad scramble. Who do you like in the turf sprint? Yes, th- this is one where I I really had difficulty with this one, and I I have to admit I'm not confident with uh, anything in this race. Um, I I did move toward Motorious. Uh, I, I thought five to one. You know, if if it's if Motorious is a, a good price, uh, I think that 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 Motorious merits a look. I also liked Roses for Deborah, uh, the the Christoph Clement horse at twelve to one. Who's, who's in the night hole. Um, but I, I'm going, I would say going against Caravelle. You could go against Caravelle. Uh, now we know that, that the last race at Keeneland, there was some moisture in the ground and there's a lot of excuses for that. Is, is she one of the better horses in the race? Yes, but I do think that she could easily be beaten here. Um, I, it's just, just difficult on where to go because a, a lot of these horses, they're, they're coming from such different situations. Uh, a lot of these ones, they haven't run against each other, and so it's very hard to plot them uh, against each other. But so I, the nine and the ten are the two that I gravitated towards. But I'm I'm not confident about this race. Well, screw it, I am. This is the one I'm waiting on. I've been waiting on. Uh, I, I won't. I, I, I'll, I might skip the classic for that matter. I, you know, win or lose, I'm playing Notorious in this one. I've been waiting on Notorious to come back in this race, which is weird for me because I don't really care much for California racing. Is it's uh, as I've said far too often, but, but if you go back to Derby Day, and I knew this was my Breeders' Cup turf sprint horse on Derby Day, um, in that race, uh, no balls, no balls, no balls is much funner to say, is particularly for a gelding, and uh, a lot of speed in that race, and no balls out broke the field. A couple other horses uh, did not break well. No balls went extremely fast. It was a speed favoring course, I think, that day, and ran amazing. Uh, kind of got the lead to herself despite all the speed, and Matorius was hung on the outside, who looked like live that day, and was the only horse left running in that race to come after uh, no no balls, and uh, came up short. Came back at Del Mar last time. The money showed. Uh, great spot at Del Mar, going five, 
and closed on the outside. Uh, really, really looked best the whole way. Made a nice move. Looked like a perfect uh, setup for Phil D'Amato. And I think that even though it's just, a, I wouldn't mind maybe seeing five and a half for this this horse, but you're going to see some six speed in here because living the dream, who I also think is pretty live, is uh, gets to rate a little bit off the outside today. So we'll, we'll see how the pace develops anytime uh, these five furlong races can get away from me. But I'm I'm going to sing a notorious, and I'm going to let the chips fall for they may with him. I love turf closers, and you got one of the fastest closers you'll see on the track that day or on the turf that day. So uh, I'm a big fan as well. Nobles is the one I had for my pick three mm-hmm. uh, on Derby Day, which really catapulted me in that payout. So I'm going to cover that horse just because of uh, prior history. Nostalgia, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but that those, those are great picks, Alan. I'm with you. Well, we'll see. When he comes in seventh, you keep that in mind. All right, brother. Awesome. <laughs> Correctly. <laughs> Jeff, anything? Uh, I wanted to ask JJ if, if she's heard anything about uh, Aesop's Fables for uh, Aiden O'Brien and Riding Moore. This one interested me a little bit at a price. Yes, that, it, that that's very interesting because uh, they were they were asking him uh, about, about who his best horses were that he brought uh, to to this Breeders' Cup, and you know, uh, Content was one that he mentioned. Uh, of course, he mentioned August Rodin. It's really odd because he didn't mention Aesop's Fable. And so when I saw that, I thought, hmm, that kind of worried me a little bit. But then it's also just an interview. I mean, he may have just been throwing out names, so who knows? But I, I, when you look at the, like you said, when you look at this horse's, you know, body of work, um, it, it does look interesting. So somebody on Twitter, I believe it was Alan Carrasso, tweeted that, um, the, the turf sprint, the the European horses do not do well in the turf sprint at Santa Anita. I think he said that most of them have been won by by locally based horses, which was a very interesting point as well. But the body of work for for Aesop Fable is 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 very good. And I also wanted to add with your your live in the dream, live in the dream is going to take a lot of money because this horse has significant connections. Um, it's, it's kind of like a my racehorse type situation. Oh, really? So I, I think living the dream is going to take a lot of money. The, the California based people love this horse. She, she ran at one of the, over he, whichever, 20 and 40 Keelan, 43 and look is gone, but that she has come off the rail that day. I think uh, the horse can sit a bit off today. So short up to five for long. I do believe that horse is dangerous. I may actually, I don't like backing things up, but I might. Backup living the dream one and notorious two and some sort of trifecta cold or whatever, just because I could see that horse maybe it's an X factor speed horse, but yeah, something to keep in mind. Do we have any love for Caravelle? I mean, it's hard not to, but you know how, you know how this plays with people. It's like a horse head starts to tail off just a hair. We all jump off the bandwagon, right? And then (laughs) comes back and wins it somehow. We're like, son of a bitch, Caravelle just won it seven to one. So I'm guessing you do. I do not. No, I'm against. Against is a hard word. I'm not going to play the horse I, I, because I, there's someone I actually really like. So that's who I'm focused on. But yeah, against is a strong word. But I see your, I see where you're going with it. I, I'm going to throw one out here if he draws in. I don't know if he's going to draw in or not. But it's the 13 one timer for Larry Ravelli. Now he's going to have uh, 
no balls in the race. But uh, go back and watch one timer in the turf sprint at Kentucky Downs. Horse was sent off at three to two. Horse has blazing speed. Eddie or E.T. Baird was aboard, and he he's the regular rider for this horse. Somehow, one timer was about four lengths off the lead, and then he gave up his rail position and and come off the turn four and five wide. And would in one of the strangest rides you'll ever see, Baird just he he was smacking the horse with his right hand, but it was it was almost like an unmotivated ride down the stretch and the horse still almost won the race and to this day i don't know if he was timing he's trying to time the wire or if he was just maybe he thought the horse was giving everything he could or i don't i don't know don't understand the ride but the horse was beaten ahead by gear jockey and now he shows up here in 13 hole obviously now the horse rated beautifully after showing speed over and over again but the horse can can rate if he can get position you know he's eight to one more in line but i think uh he'll he'll be double digits just because of the post if he draws in i mean at, at the most he'll be in the 11 or 12 hole that that if he does draw in i think i'm going to use him just because i think uh you know Ravelli i think has had luck shipping the, to california in the past as well so i i i have to use him but also like no balls as well anything else no okay oh. Go ahead. I was just say one more, one more to go. It's the Qatar Racing Breeders' Cup Sprint, two million dollars, six furlongs, and this is a uh, an interesting field. You've got Doctor Shival, uh, Speedboat Beach from the Baffert Barn, and uh, Elite Power is the one we'll all be talking about. And uh, and I'll say this again: uh, keep an eye on some of these trainers. Uh, if if they're really Firing, then you might want to consider their horses late in the day. Bill Mott, of course, trains elite power. Uh, this is the winner of the race last year at Keeneland, and he's just been a dynamo this year. He's won, he's won in Saudi Arabia. He's won all the big races in New York over the summer. And, you know, he was beaten by, uh, Gunite in the forego, but, uh, training up a storm. Very interested to see what, uh, elite power can do, but there's, uh, there's a host of horses in here that might figure. JJ. Yes, I I agree, and it's interesting for a sprint race. There's not a whole lot of early speed here. I mean, you have a Speedboat Beach, who we think will probably be the the forwardly placed horse, but uh, it's it's very interesting that that you don't have that like you usually have in in the sprint race. Uh, Speedboat Beach is it, it's difficult to tell what he's going to do. He's going to be forwardly placed, but they've experimented with this horse so much. Does he like turf? Does he like dirt? Is he better on dirt? It appears so. But in this race, I, I just don't know. It, it, I, I'm concerned about him in this race. I, I, I don't know if he could beat a horse like Elite Power. Um, Gunite is also a very good horse. Most of the people I've talked to, they, they've narrowed this race down to Elite Power and Gunite, and they're in one camp or the other. Between the two, I think Elite Power is, is much more definitive. Uh, I, I think it's going to be difficult to beat Elite Power in this race, but... There are two local horses that I would look at, and that's Dr. Shivel and the Chosen Brawn, because these are local horses who love this track and are training very well. And if Elite Power were to have an off an off moment, an off day, these are two horses who could step up. So Elite Power would be my choice over Gunite. I don't have Speedboat Beach in the win, in the win spot because we just can't figure him out yet. 
I just don't think he's figured out yet. And because of that, he's still growing. Um, as you said, he's, you know, we're looking for horses that are going to run their, their best race on this day. And I just don't think he's, he's figured out yet. So, but I would look out for, for the two locals too, that, that possibility of an upset. I don't have an opinion here. This, I'll just, only thing I'll mention is, uh, Nakatomi. This is the Qatar sprint, right? Qatar racing sprint. Beaters got Bruce Nakatomi is owned by Qatar racing. That's all I'll add. <laughs> <laughs> You guys wow, that's it. it. That's what you that, come with. That's all I got. I don't. This race doesn't do a lot for me. But I, I, when when that happens, I just side with JJ and move on. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw a couple of prices out. One of them is your horse Nakatomi. The, the horse is a four-year-old, and he's relatively lightly raced. And Wesley Ward has no problem shipping out to California. He he, he does it on, uh, routinely. I think his horse might get part of this at a price. And then the other one. Uh, aforementioned Dallas Stewart, number four horse, the gold. If you cross a line through his two Del Mar races, uh, he shipped out here for, for the Bing Crosby and the Pat O'Brien. This horse fits. He's gotten good all of a sudden. This horse was, uh, uh, prior to his two wins, he was only two for 20 lifetime. And suddenly he's turned the corner and become a, he, he walloped Gulfstream way at Ellis. And then in his last, he, he was, uh, well bet at six to one. So his connections know he's turned the corner as well. And he won the Phoenix at Keeneland. So, uh, I, th- I think this horse has a shot and, uh, I will use him in exotics at least. Yeah. He'd be my long shot of, of that race. I'm not real excited. You know, after a big long day, this race didn't really pique my interest all that much, but, uh, I thought voice the gold. Coming off a career best effort, I mean, you got to do it one more time. Would definitely fit. Riggs, what about you? You know, it's an interesting race. Um, JJ alluded to it a little bit with with the pace scenario. How you would expect there to be more pace in here than there appears to be on paper. I think that helps a horse like Gunite, especially because he he's such a fighter. If he gets into a battle down the stretch, he's one that always seems to really want to get that head in front. So I, I think if he's running down the stretch and he has a shot to win, I, I think he's going to. And then the other one that I was interested in is the Chosen Vron, who has won eight straight races on the West Coast, which is cannot be overlooked. I know this is the Breeders' Cup, and this is a, a different level of competition, but, I mean, you know, why, why can't this horse win? And probably going to be an overlay, going to be higher than that 5-1 to one price and um Hector Berrios also I think is a, an underrated jockey that I don't think a lot of people really are familiar with it's not an everyday name but um he's done a really good job recently and and could win a race like this so that's a that's a horse I'm really interested in Speedboat Beach was the one I was interested in I mean I, I thought maybe I'll single this horse to in the in the day but, uh, he, you know, he ran the, in, in Sheets terminology, he ran the, uh, I think he paired his two-year-old top, or he might have exceeded it, uh, when he finished second, uh, on September 30th. That's usually a good sign. But, you know, they, they make the horse three to one on the morning line. I don't like it. I thought I was expecting a little bit more. I'm sorry? Oh, nothing. That my phone started playing a horse race. I was watching a replay. Oh. Sorry. So yeah, so you know, Speedboat Beach would be the one I would come to eventually if if, if I needed it. But uh, yeah, that's uh, 
it should be a, a fun race to, to end the card. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what elite powers. And again, it's Belmont. So you see what he's been doing earlier on the card. And, uh, you know, so the same goes for a lot of these guys. Steve Asmussen, uh, he'll have a bunch of horses in. Baffert will have a bunch of horses in. Those guys start, uh, shooting blanks. You might want to fade them late in the day. So, uh, all right. So that's, that's it. Uh, do, do want to go around the table and ask everybody, just give me one horse that you're, that, if a gun was placed against your head, if uh, this is the one that uh, I want to bet my or uh, wager my day on, so we'll we'll start with JJ and then and go around the table. Hmm. Well, I I would say pretty mischievous. I think is is probably one that I'm most excited about playing because I I, I really do think that she's being overlooked and has a chance. And I did I did want to add in close in the closing that um, I thought Jeff brought up an excellent point that. Watching these races, this is Santa Anita, and there have been times where this this track has been very speed favoring. And if mm-hmm. you see that trend develop, always take that into account with what we're saying. I, I'm going on the basis that this is a fair track, but if it's if it's souped up to the gills, then like you were, you know, Speedboat Beach might have more of an advantage if it's really really super fast track. So we will have to see. How it plays. I'm basing my picks on if it's running as as more of a fair track. Let's go to Allen. Uh, the Talk one I'm looking forward to playing is is Notorious in the turf sprint, and and, and something JJ Lutz. Anytime you listen to any podcast or any racing show, and they're making these selections three days advance, man, you have got to uh, somehow take a grain of salt or whatever. These, it, it, we don't know, we know the weather's going to be good, right? But track bias comes into play, scratches come into play, uh, other things will ha- come into play. So you always have to remember that this is a couple days out. And just because you say a horse you like here today, he, you like him at seven to one, the horse goes off at two to one, is it worth playing at that point? So everything's always price dependent, speed and bias dependent, weather dependent. But uh, unless something changes, I probably will single notorious. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Sage Raider in the in the dirt mile. That's the one for me. Um, I just think we haven't seen the best of this one yet. I think there's a couple horses in there that are obviously going to take a ton of money. And uh, Cody's Wish, I'm sure Zozo's is going to take a lot of money as well. And I just think we're going to see a career best effort from Stage Raider. I think it's going to set up well for him and um, get a price as well. I like it. Brandon, just one. Just one. No, no I got six. six. One. <laughs> My long shot of the day will be exalted for sure. Uh, idiomatic, I'd like to see that horse win, I guess, if I'm going to stick with something. But that's the chalk, and you know I'm not very chalky. But uh, I thought Proxy, Matarea, Adair Manor, Wet Paint, and Ushab Tesoro I think will be a really cool horse to see. On American soil and run. So I, I'm excited and you know, I, I may have to watch some Santa Anita races just to get in the zone, uh, come tomorrow and see what they got, uh, cooking on that dirt and turf. Cause that turf is going to be fast. There are times mm-hmm. faster. The, the fractions are always faster. I just got to get my mind used to that and, and look more speed favor probably than. Than closers, but I, I love a good closer. I love a good closer on the turf, especially. He so, picked seven horses, by the way, CC. He did, didn't he? He, he did. <laughs> <laughs> My finger slipped off the button. Daggone it. 
<laughs> well, I'll be uh my Friday will be spent at the Louisville Thoroughbred Club here and uh, uh that's where I'll be betting with Matt Linville, our notorious pick six extraordinaire, and um a few other of my buddies. I wish we all can play together, but I don't know, we're all gonna be silver pass, I'm sure. Yeah. CC? White a barrio for me. Uh and and Babe Duttrell is gonna be smiling in a weird circle. <laughs> Gosh. It could happen. All right. One last thing. Uh yes. Saturday at Churchill. Bango bidding for a record breaking was it twelfth win at Churchill Downs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh yeah, running in the bet on sunshine stakes for your thousand. Shout out to Greg Holloway, our buddy. Uh, he, he should present the trophy in that race. But, uh, yeah, good luck to Bango. Far more exciting than Breeders' Cup Classic, in my mind, or whatever. I'll be well, let's, let's tamp that down just a little bit. Now. Yeah, you know, I'm a homer. I'm uh, One's in Kentucky, one's in California. So, anyway, go ahead. All right. So, we definitely, before we go, we want to thank J.J. Highself. As always. Time. She she delivered once again. We'll, we'll Instead of J.J., we'll call her UPS Highsell because she always delivers. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like we always say, JJ, you're invited anytime you want. So anytime you need a, a soapbox to stand on, just uh, shout out to us. And, uh, by the way, she was on. great. She was great on Jason Beam a couple of months ago when she was on her, by the way, Jason. That's right. Oh, thank right. you. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed that very much. His, his podcast is a must listen also. Yeah, thank you. Big fan. And we also want to thank Brandon Jaggers for being here. I know it was a struggle. Struggle's real, but, you know, I, I'm excited to see, you know, our good friend Brad Cox. You know, if you're always in question, if Brad has one, bet it. And then even Phil Bauer and Rigney Racing. I'm excited about their weekend coming up uh, for Friday. And then uh, maybe they got a horse running uh, Sunday at Churchill I might have to, to watch out for, too. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And uh, Mr. Riggs. Pleasure as always. Always. Appreciate it very much. It was a good time. JJ, it was awesome having you on. It was cool uh, talking to you for a little bit. You too, Jeff. It was great having you on the podcast. And Alan? Eh, I'm just here. Yeah, I'm just here. I'm just taking up space so I can do it work. Anyway. All right. Well, on behalf of all these people, I'm CC Broadus. Uh, Good luck to everybody in the races. I hope one of us picked at least one winner on the card and uh yeah if uh if if he did hit one maybe maybe uh tip brandon because he needs the money <laughs> but uh we'll we'll figure out maybe do a GoFundMe for him or something like that but uh, uh, for a week way. just give me a week in my uh my daycare that'd be big uh, okay well we'll work on that but uh yeah so uh that's all for now we're signing off and uh in the words of our friend and our fearless leader jerry romans we're not happy unless you're not happy Good night. Happy Breeders' Cup.